AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The volume. In the NBA, the game can change in an instant. But no matter how the action unfolds, you know DraftKings Sportsbook has your back. This week, new customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets just for betting five bucks on basketball. Win or lose, you get an instant dub. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code Jenkins, J-E-N-K-I-N-S. Jenkins, new customers can get 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on basketball. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code Jenkins. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, must be 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms. Welcome to Jenkins and Jones on the Volume Podcast Network. It is Saturday, December 16th, and we are so excited. We're going to jump straight into it. We've got one of our favorite people to talk to, Hanif Abdurraqib. Acclaimed author, one of our favorite people in the world on Jenkins and Jones, and most importantly right now, a Minnesota Timberwolves fan. Hanif, thanks for hopping on with us. Uh, thanks for having me again. It's always good to be here with y'all. We appreciate you making the time, my brother. So um, how is everything, man? You, you know, we're going to do a little deeper dive in, in, into um, your, your Timberwolves fandom of, of the moment of this season, you know, but, but just want to get like just a broad overview. How are you feeling about the season right now, man? Y'all are on top of the world right great. now. 
Yeah, I haven't. I've never felt better. I haven't felt this good since uh, the KG MVP season, and Old even Liverpool, that, yeah. even that felt. Um, I probably feel better, honestly, because the KG MVP season was kind of like a crescendo of a of a moment. You know, KG was kind of this. This felt entirely unlikely, uh, and so I'm 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 on cloud nine. I'm on cloud nine cautiously right now. You know, as those <laughs> things go, for sure. I've never it's those, words, those words have yeah. never been spoken yeah. in the history of the English language. I'm cautiously <laughs> on cloud nine. I love that. <laughs> this feels more real than other Timberwolves, you know, teams or successful it moments, does. right? Though, yeah, so. yeah, it does. It feels more real in part because, um, you know, they're they're also. The, I think after that Celtics win early in the season, I thought it could be real. Then they've kind of torn off some wins. I know they've gotten some. I know we're going to talk about it more, but they've gotten some luck. They've gone against some folks who, um, you know, are like missing players and all that, but. The, the defense. I think it's, the defense looks real. The defense seems like it's real, which had, the defense in Minnesota has not looked real for at least like two decades now. So, um, yeah, I feel optimistic. Yeah. Also, old three or four. There were you know the Kobe and Shaq Lakers. There were the Timmy Spurs. We knew. You know, we knew Minnesota ain't have a chance. And they they had a good showing that that year. They went to the Western Conference Finals. You know, so hats off to them for that. But All right, well, yeah, Tyler... the West the West is warm. The West is like more wide open now. I think. I mean, mm-hmm. and. And it's just kind of a thing where, um, you know, a lot of these teams, folks just aren't staying healthy or folks aren't playing the full 82. And I think there's some determination, at least so far, out of the Timberwolves, out of Rudy and Kat specifically, to, to just play through whatever, you know, play hurt, play whatever it takes. Um, and hopefully that keeps up. For sure. Hopefully that keeps up with no consequences is always you the, feel as, me? As, yeah. as a yeah. Anthony Davis <laughs> follower, right? Um, so Tyler, Tyler's said we got to start with and he's right we, we just had this uh this this actually feels like a sports story that is like custom made for you being on jenkins and jones but we have to talk about um game ball gate i guess is what it's game ball gate. <laughs> with, the, uh, with the with the bucks and the pacers um this is like this is i feel like why basketball is so the nba is so addicting it's like stuff like this just comes out of nowhere that you have this great budding rivalry with the bucks and the pacers um, Giannis gets put back in the game, scores 64 points, you know, in, in a blowout. And then you literally have video leaked of a locker room hallway confrontation where he's yelling, he's yelling, give me the fucking ball. And, and the Pacers players, six foot eight professional athletes are yelling at each other. Don't give him the fucking ball. <laughs> <laughs> you see the I, video? Did you see the angle where the dude is like trying to hang on to the back of Giannis's jersey? Yes. Why? Why? And that motherfucker looked like he was like on a sled. <laughs> right? <laughs> like his feet were off the ground, dog. Like right. both of them. <laughs> trying to stop a full speed Giannis, bro. Come on, man. What are you doing, bro? They don't pay. He you had enough. to try. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. for real. That's the thing. Is like no matter what the salary is, it's not enough for that. It's not for yeah. me. It's not enough. For it's, it's interesting because no one really interviewed who, who scored the point for the Pacers. It was Oscar Sheway. Oscar Sheway. Yeah. No one actually really talked to him. Like, did we don't actually know how much that motherfucker wanted the ball? And so, <laughs> and, and we know, and we know it was bullshit because they played the whole. You know, it's his first NBA points. He technically yeah. had him in, in, in the end season tournament, in the tournament. Right? No one is is. I don't. I don't think there's any hoop out here saying. Well, technically, I didn't count in the game book, so that's not technically my my first point. No, motherfucker, you were out there against NBA talent. You scored NBA talent. Those are your first NBA points, bro. First points. Yeah, I don't. It, it felt like. It felt to me like he was probably like, no, I don't, I don't really want. I'm cool. I don't need the ball. But the Pacers, me and Petty were like, we're gonna get you the. Don't worry, we got you. We're gonna get you. And he's like, no, no, it's good, it's good. And they're like, no, 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 man, we'll get you the ball. It was so bizarre because 
I one, I'd never seen Giannis that angry, like visibly, even with that ladder shit the other year, last year, or whatever, mm-hmm. he wasn't that angry. Mm-hmm. And also, the other funny part about that angle where motherfuckers being dragged on his jersey was was the Nasus was right behind him. The, like, <laughs> hey, Nasus like be ready brothers. to go, dog. He don't play beyond big bro. <laughs> bro, I saw yeah. you saw the video of him getting slammed to the ground at the Nasus being held back by like two or three people. I'm like, that's yeah. the only way to love somebody, especially your brother, bro. You know what I'm saying? Your brother, like, he always your, ready. Your whole family's life, bro. He's not in For the league. Sure. To be honest, let's just right. keep it honest. You know. Which, he yeah. Still, yeah, I ain't gonna say that. Go <laughs> but um, <laughs> he's still which, selling candy. <laughs> <laughs> he's still go, selling watches. We, and we, yeah, we, yeah, we, we go. Story we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. But yeah, yeah, you know, my whole thing is is I don't get the people who are actually taking this seriously. You know what I'm saying? I love how ridiculous it is. I love how everyone involved is being ridiculous. Because my whole thing is, bro, I don't care how we get to a robbery as long as we get there. And it looks like we're going to get there with these two squads. It seems like there's some genuine animosity being built up. You know what happened in the in-season tournament with Halliburton talking this shit, doing a day and time celebration after he zipped them boys up. You know, then we have this moment where they're being petty as fuck. Of course you give the guy who just had 64 points on his own floor the game ball. Everybody fucking yeah. knows that, yeah. right? You, you know what I'm saying? But then there being some dickheads on purpose. Then you got Rick Carlisle, you know, going in the in the post game you know talking about you know still sticking to the to, to the story about how they got it for their rook and all and like i said i just love how everyone is being ridiculous like i said i don't i don't care how we get to a robbery as long as we get there and i hope we get a matchup between these two in the playoffs carlos said like a an assistant coach got his rib broken or something like a little bit it felt like a little hey. bit like that shit where um after the will smith slap oh that white dude was like he could have killed, <laughs> killed him, him. <laughs> <laughs> If I like Carlisle was like, my coach got his rib broken. I was like, come on, brother. I, mean, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> but no, either he, way, no, no, he, he, he should have should have sat his old ass out of the frame. Once you see seven foot Giannis, you know, on a mission, it's time to sit your old ass down, dog. Like for real. <laughs> Why are you hopping out there on the front lines in front of that? He laid it on so thick, he was like, he got his rib bruised at the very least. <laughs> <laughs> So that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Rick Carlisle, man. If they were to play, how do you think that series would go? I think it's probably five or six, bro. You know what I mean? I, I think it'd be if, fun. A fun five or six. You know what oh, I mean? Listen, I don't Listen, listen if, if you're going to get the pissed off Giannis who's going to hang 60 on him, like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, it's, it's going to be light work. Yeah, it's going to be. <laughs> it's going to be light work. Well, I think it's going to yeah. be light work either way. The Pacers can't guard anybody. Right. It's going to be light work either way. I mean, they granted, that showing in the in-season tournament was really Right. They can't defend. I mean, these motherfuckers are giving up like 140 points every other night. They yeah. can't defend on the three-point line. They can't defend on the, the paint, inside. The, the, that, did you see the the Giannis shot chart? It's just Giannis one big blob at the cup, dog. <laughs> it's one That's circle. It. Every right. shot was touching the other. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> no, dunk, 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 dunk. I think, I think the thing with the Pacers is they're, they're kind of like, it's funny because Tyrese Halliburton, got traded away from the Kings and now he's playing on a team that's kind of like the Kings were last year where it's just they they you know they can't defend and they're fun I love watching them I, I'm literally going to Minnesota tomorrow to watch the Wolves and Pacers game uh in, in Minneapolis so like I'm, I'm excited to see them but they can't defend anybody and when you get to the playoffs like you got to be able to at least not give up 130 points and the Pacers haven't given up less than 110 points since like Halloween I just don't see it I just don't see a, um they're going to be so fun to watch in the regular season, for sure. I love Tyrese Halliburton. They just don't have a – they have no interest in even trying to defend. The Bucks are the Bucks are better – will get better at it, but that's their issue too. Their defense is not the yeah. same as it's been before. So, I mean, it's going to be a, like a who can outscore the other type game. You know what I mean? And if you know Giannis is dropping 64, we know who that will be. But if he's not, it might be interesting. But I think, like you said – 
it'll probably go five at most. You know what I mean? I, 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 love, I love how the Pacers went and got MMA or <laughs> James Johnson. <laughs> Hours after this kerfluffle, they went back to the crib and got big bro. Like, hey, like, like she's getting real talk. Like, we need you out here. Yeah, that that shit was hilarious right there, bro. I mean, the shot chart, the Giannis's shot chart looks like every dad playing with their kid who's right on the cusp of puberty. Like, it's like, oh, it's coming. Like, I just gotta back him down for forty five minutes straight. Like, and so when that happens, you have to go get someone that's like. I'm gonna punch him and see if he punches me back, and we both get kicked out, right? Like that's like, that has to be the strategy, basically. for sure. I'm glad we all morally agree that Giannis deserves the game ball. That was the dumbest part of the discourse to me. It was like Oscar Shibway. Did you know who he was throw. prior to this? I did because no I I enjoyed learning how to pronounce people's names, so okay. I do know who Oscar <laughs> Shibway is. Is that but... the dude who was like the best college rebounder ever? Is that his claim to fame? Yeah, 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 at Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah. To, but to Tyler's point, it was like he hit a free throw in the in season tournament. I understand why statistically the final didn't count as like the stats or whatever. But it was the most watched regular season game in like ten years, and he scored a point in it. So I think we can all agree. That to him, that was probably significant yeah. to worry the game all. But I, uh, but Hanif made a great point. We haven't heard from Oscar Shibway. Like they've made him into the Franz Ferdinand of the NBA. Nice. Like like Giannis could end up signing with the Lakers or something to beat the Pacers if they get good enough. Like this could be a decade long hatred. Hey, that stemmed out of them saying we have to get him the ball. That's that's not a good old fashioned rookie hazing there, right there, bro. Like sometimes you got to take them lumps. Sometimes you got to pay for everyone's dinner. Sometimes you got to do people's laundry. Sometimes you got to let the whole squad lie on you. You know what I'm saying? That's just the initiation of being an NBA player, rookie hazing shit. I mean, in terms of as far as rookies go this season, not a lot of them are. There's not a there's not a whole lot of them who are helping their teams immediately. So uh, this is uh, one way. <laughs> Yeah, this is gotta contribute to how you can, team. man. That's how you, you stay in the league, Do, doing the shit that doesn't show up on the box score, shit like that. Okay, not the only uh, story, not the only uh, uh, you know pro wrestling style storyline going in the NBA. Obviously, we talked a little bit about Draymond's uh, flailing, spinning, uh, backhanded punch of uh, Nurkic on the last pod, but since we recorded, the NBA has handed down uh, an indefinite suspension, which is usually reserved for fugitives or something you know i mean you know actual law breaking you know yeah, right like yeah you don't usually see an indefinite suspension i can't really even think of one in any pro sport um what was you know all your guys and if you first what was everyone's reaction to it uh the suspension and and what do you think of where draymond is at right now the route say with this the responses from his peers are like they're talking about this motherfucker like he's the joker like you know what i mean like <laughs> right. they, they're talking about him like he needs to be institutionalized which <laughs> i think actually there's there's I think on a serious note, there's a useful conversation that could be had about mental health in sports, particularly with men, that I don't think is being had because everyone is pre-diagnosing Draymond as a way of kind of absolving him mm-hmm. when he himself has not been like this. These are things I struggle with. But for a long time, Draymond, I think, has seemed to struggle with impulse control and anger and just kind of knowing what is useful to help a team and what isn't, you know? And uh, I don't think, to me, it came to a head a while ago, you know, but this year has been, I think, uniquely bad. And I think that it it aligns with the fact that his skills are diminishing a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And his skill set relies on, you know, Curry, you know, shooting is, 
if you can shoot, you're always going to be able to shoot. You know, you're always going to mm-hmm. do all right in the league. And um, even Clay with the injuries can still can still have some nights. Last night he had a night, you know. And uh, Draymond, though, you know, he's he's losing some of those abilities, and it seems like it, that is visibly frustrating him. The thing with Nurkic the other night and the thing with Gobert, honestly, to me were examples of him uh, going a bit too far because he doesn't understand why he is in a you know the gobert thing was wild because it was like all right man you know what i mean you held on to that chokehold for a long ass time you know what i mean like <laughs> that shit was deeper than rap right there shit <laughs> was it's like you've been waiting to do that you know, you know yeah. sometimes like you don't really want to fight somebody but if the opportunity arises you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah you might as well you know and it felt like one of those things where it was like okay i'll i'll separate from clay but while i'm here you know what i mean Modern, yeah um, yeah and I, I worry about I worry about just kind of the state of the Warriors. It's overall, it's kind of strange to see the Warriors in a position where they're um, they don't even look kind of competitive, you know, and they look like they're just being surpassed. And I think a large part of this is because the Warriors thought a few years ago they were like, oh, we're going to replenish with this youth movement. We're going to get Kaminga and Moody and Wiseman, and they're going to kind of extend our run. But those motherfuckers can't play. At least they can't play the way they thought they could. And I think that, too, has put Draymond in a position where he has to play more minutes and do more things than he maybe wants to be doing at this stage of his career. And I, I think that shortens the fuse in him. And so we've seen him kind of uh, crash out a few times. I don't really know what it's going to look like for him in terms of this suspension but um, or the rest of his career, honestly, because I don't know how much he has left to, to help a team. Yeah. Um, where, where I'm at with it, and, and it's, it's, it's kind of a serious angle I have with it, to a bit because I had to take a step back from, you know, uh, and examine the reaction I had to it. Right. Because the, when, when I, you know, got the news about how it's going to be, you know, um, indefinite, he was going to be able to practice with the squad. They're working on, you know, trying to, you know, get to the root cause of, of the anchor and, and, you know, snuff it out from there. And I was like, this feels like shockingly considerate, you know, punishment for a dude mm-hmm. who's got the, the, the rap sheet that, that that Draymond has, and like I said, I took a step back there because I'm like, okay, I'm sounding like a cop. I wanted the fist to come down a little harder than, <laughs> than it did, and I need to examine that, right? So I was like, you know, I think that 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 this this punishment is like it's kind of a good litmus test on where perhaps you stand on how you like your justice. Do you like it to be punitive, or do you like it to be like rehabilitative? You know what I mean? And you know, I don't think we've ever quite seen a suspension that was you know kind of that that came from this angle where we're trying to help this guy Mm -hmm. we're trying to make sure this doesn't happen again we're not going to punish him for you know of course this is a punishment of sorts but we're not just going to say okay 15 games we're washing our hands of you you know you figure it out right like they're taking a very proactive step and helping this man you know rehabilitate and 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 take the steps forward to make this not happen again so that's something that's interested um to me and i can completely understand the people who are like you know, I don't understand if you can rehabilitate this dude. This is who he's been, right? Like, if if he didn't wake up after he blew a finals with the tantrum, if he didn't wake up after he snuffed the, the guy who was going to be the franchise's future. I know Jordan Poole is, a, is probably the biggest laughing stock in the league right now, but when he punched Jordan Poole in his shit, that dude was the third best player on the, on a championship team. You know what I mean? Like, he was supposed to be the future, and, and I can understand people saying, okay, if, if he blew the finals, if he punched, the, literally punched the future of the franchise in the face and, and, and fractured that relationship so bad that they had had to move on from him you know what is a little you know spin around discus slap of nerd gonna you know change in his life trajectory so but like i said i'm just at the point where we've never quite seen a punishment like this from the nba so so i'm curious to see if like this rehabilitative approach 
can will, will actually get through to Draymond. And I'm going to be honest, I'm skeptical. I don't think it will, but. I mean, if anything would get through to him, it'd probably be this. You know what I mean? Just giving him 10 games, 15 games, or whatever they were planning on giving him and saying, hey, you know, I don't think that would have necessarily worked. Um, but I think it makes me think if there's something more going on behind the scenes. You know what I mean? Like, we talk about the legacy thing. Like, everybody's talking about, yeah, his legacy, he's affecting his legacy. I think maybe the league kind of sees that. Like, like what, what's going on with Draymond? And, you know, what can we do to help him help himself? Because I think there, there may be more going on than just, like, you know, just that hit, you know, I mean, it seems like he's had these issues over time. And it just seems like, like you said, uh, Hanif, like this year, it seems a little worse than before, a little different. So, I mean, I'm glad they're taking this approach, too. I'm glad they're taking this approach. Like, we're going to help you help yourself. And, you know, if, if, if but like if this can't help him, I don't know what can. You know what I mean? Can I ask a, can I ask a sub question that is only tangential because his name got brought up? Do y'all think Jordan Poole can play basketball? Like yes. just straight up. So in what context? I think he can. I think he can hoop. I think he can hoop. I don't think he can play basketball. Right. I think it's. Yeah. I think the way he plays, he's out here just. He's out here hooping like he's playing twenty one. He's not playing basketball as if there's zebras and four other players on his team out there. You know what I mean? I really struggle to see. It. I know that when he was at Golden State, I saw the same things. I mean, I saw the same shit everybody else saw. I was like, this is a player. I've watched a couple of those Wizards games this year, and I'm like, what is this motherfucker doing? He's, I mean, it's, it's true. Like, he's, you're right. He's hooping. He's just hooping, which, mm-hmm. I mean. Straight vibes. You know, yeah, I got. I have a soft is it? heart for Is it good vibes? It's, it's bad. It's bad vibes, <laughs> but it's vibes. <laughs> there are vibes there, but that's really they're, they're good. Right. They're not a good oh, nature. But, but, you know, that's just kind of the, like, bro, like, Warriors basketball kind of it it polishes guys up a bit, you know what I mean? Like like granted, we we saw we saw the 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 groundwork for for the the way that he was going to play this season happen, right? Like he was a guy who would go rogue, who would frustrate the shit out of his his, his Warriors teammates, but that was because he was going off script. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to do, what the scheme called for, and shit like that, right? He was just going rogue. Um, but now like you know there is no playbook, there is no such thing as Wizards culture, you know what I'm saying? So he's just got free reign out there. Like you got to understand the the Warriors are someone who turned Javale McGee into a high IQ player right mm-hmm. like Warriors basketball Warriors culture is a very real thing and it, it couldn't get through to him and that's probably why they cut ties I think I, I, it did get through to him he had a bad moment in these last playoffs though he looked great for virtually for a year and a half solid and then this last playoffs he didn't look as good you know I, what I mean and I think part of them falling apart is they put a lot in Jordan Poole as well and that didn't work out they got rid of him and you know what I mean so as well as coming and other players not stepping up how they playing but yeah I just also think basketball, we we look at it, you know, we see it on the same screen and you see roughly the same things happening in each game. But it, more than any other pro sport, pro team sport in America, it's so individualized and some individuals at their job, whether it's like writing or playing basketball, benefit from structure and lots of direction. And like because the Warriors culture has not worked out for some players, too. Right. That's like it's not just a you put them there and they raise everyone by 10 points on 2K or something like that. Like, he seems to benefit from, and you can feel him chafing against it, almost like physically sometimes, the structure of what the Warriors were running. And yeah, then you just kind of like open the fence and say, go run free. And like, he and Kuz are creating a Wizards culture. <laughs> it's just not the culture <laughs> you would want to be on Twitter every night, probably, right? I think he's also playing from a man. That Gilbert Arena is fucking era, bro. That Gilbert Arena is Wizards culture. 
wizard's yeah. culture is is niggas bringing guns in the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> niggas shitting his shoes and shit like that. Gilbert Arena shat in a he shat in a motherfucking shoe, bro. Cause he owed him money from a car game. He dropped a load in a motherfucking shoe. <laughs> who was this? Really who, 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 who what shoe? did he shit in? You gonna you gonna make me Google the the the, the was shoe it Javaris shit Crindon? No, it wasn't. Javaris no, I was Crindon Javaris was Crindon might have put that motherfucker in the dirt. Hey, <laughs> he, right, right. he brought the gun for Javaris. Yeah, I think yeah. he owed Javaris money. Right? Is that what? Is that yeah, why it, it, it all came down got to the yeah. plane to them card games yeah. on the plane? Like, like that was the I, genesis. I, of I, but I've been stuff. angry enough to endanger my own life several times. I've never been angry enough to involve Andre Black shitting. Jackson oh, Jackson just said Andre Black. Oh yeah, damn. I, have y'all I, I, ever I, been angry enough to involve poop in your response to something? Is someone else's shoe? <laughs> or just well, some, we, no. We don't have his mind, though. Gil has oh, a particular yeah. mind. It, you know what I mean? That was probably the first thought he had. You know what I mean? That would be like the 27th for mine. Yeah, I, I have to go through a, you know what I'm saying, a Rolodex of thoughts prior. But yeah, that was probably the first thought he had. The, uh, the, I, I think Paul is playing from a place of... Yeah, I mean, I'm not shitting in his, I'm not shitting in nobody's shoe for for any reason, but certainly not for revenge. <laughs> That's just wild, bro. Um, I, the the last point on Draymond I want to make because Hanif brought it up, and I, I've I've kind of thought similar things. Is it does feel a little bit like the the responses have been interesting, right? Like I, like even Rudy Gobert, like everyone is like coming out like we're very concerned for Draymond, and I do think there's a because like as a society, uh, especially a society that only has conversations on like algorithmically polarized social media platforms, we have to go all the way over here or all the way over here, right? There's no like middle ground. And I, do, I, I, I shared Tyler's sentiments. I think it's wonderful that we're taking a mental health first approach with Draymond. But I do feel like very much that is just sort of a buzzword for a lot of people that's being used to absolve it and like... He's got mental health issues moving on. And then like when he comes back, we'll say they fixed the mental health issues, <laughs> yeah. you know, or, or whatever. And I, I just, I, there was some of that around, you know, what John ja Morant was doing too. Like, I, I mean, and we've talked about it on the podcast. We, we uh, most of us know friends who've done stupid stuff involving guns or involved or affiliated in some way. It doesn't like absolve them from not making stupid decisions, right? Like, like you know, the, you can't say like I have an addiction to showing a gun on IG Live. You can't say I have an addiction to smacking the shit out of foreign bigs in basketball games <laughs> when I'm frustrated. So, but I, but Hanif, I'm kind of curious for your thoughts on that. Like, we do have to create a society where mental health is more considered and factored in than it currently is. But it can't be like. Anytime someone is recklessly out of control, it's like, oh, it's a mental health issue. We're not going to think about that any further. We're just going to like move on, right? I mean, is there is there right. a middle ground there of some sort? Well, I think it's building a foundation that um, one actually allows the person in question in the autonomy to discuss what they're feeling or going through, instead of allowing and sometimes demanding the public to affix a broad spectrum of mental health crisis, capital M, capital H, capital C, upon someone else. Because we don't know, we don't know anything about what Draymond has going on in his head. He gave that Ramona, Ramona Shelburne interview, what, last night or yesterday? That was not clarifying at all. Because he essentially was like, I go out there, sometimes I, I flip out, I don't know what time it is anymore. It's like, man, that doesn't tell me anything. Like that, and who knows, maybe Draymond needs to go on some kind of journey that, um, clarifies for himself whatever his mental health machinery is um but i don't think we 
aid him on that journey as people, as fans, as witnesses. We don't aid him on that journey. We don't enliven or enlighten that journey by just saying, well, he's got mental health issues because we don't know. Like we genuinely don't know. And um, it's hard because I think the nature of mental health in sport particularly is just so, you know, like it, I remember when Ben Simmons, when people were like, you know, when Ben Simmons is like, I'm struggling with mental health, people are like, I'll get the fuck out of here. It's like, no, I mean, like, I'm, I think something, I, something that motherfucker might really be struggling with his mental health. If we're just like looking at the profile of his behaviors on the court, you know what I mean? And so I, I think this idea of I don't like this player or I'm frustrated with this player or I don't want to believe anything this player is presenting as an excuse to. And I do think that mental health can't be used as absolution. But I, I also think that folks who are in a place to determine for themselves what they are going through need to have the autonomy to do that publicly. And I don't think the way that um, I know that his fellow players and his peers are talking about him with this sense of concern. But I, I do worry outside. I mean, I can't lie. The the, the Nurkic quote that that brother needs help. That 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 graphic is like an all time. Yeah, that's gonna be it's the classic meme right there. But outside of that, you know, like I, I'm wondering if this accumulation of like, oh, I hope he gets help he needs, but without really verifying what that means, you know, I don't know. I thought the Gobert thing was interesting, where he was like, I feel empathetic. Listen, all all love for that. If someone had me in a chokehold like less than you know, like a fortnight ago, I don't know if I'm gonna be. I don't know if, if I am going to reach a point of forgiveness that quickly. Right. I'm shitting in his shoe personally. I mean, yeah. that's my go-to move immediately. <laughs> I, I, well, I think, you know, I, I think Gobert knows that, you know, killing him with kindness might be the way to get under Draymond's skin a bit too, right? Like, I, I, I think he knows that, that Draymond's a guy who likes his fire met with fire, you know what I'm saying? And he knows that if he comes out with like, like, bro, like, why do you care about me more than I care about you? Like, he knows that probably would dig at Draymond a bit too. But, um, but, but to your point, Hanif, like, you know, the, these mental health issues, um, it's such an uphill battle to fight because for so many people, if there is not a line of empathy that they can, you know, traverse to to from themselves to the person that's, you know, in, in the discussion, then they have no, you know, empathy for them. They have no, you know, um, sympathy for them. They have no, no, no concern for them. And and especially with professional athletes, it's like, bro, you're making a hundred million dollars. What are you sad about? What is going on with like, you know what I mean? So, so that's always a battle to fight, especially with people, you know, prominent people who are, you know, athletes and such. So, um, but yeah, you, you know, it just comes back to, like I said, I've never quite seen a suspension given out like this with, that is so focused on the rehabilitative aspect. So I'm, I'm very much invested in how this plays out over time. Yeah. Well, and the, you make a great point on mental health and pro sports, which are, are in, in my opinion, they are inherently incompatible sort of mm, <laughs> things that's crazy. In, in, in many regards. But like John, John and I have talked about this quite a bit is like fathers. So I'm in Long Beach. I'm like two miles that way from where Earl Woods was like duct taping a golf club to his three-year-old's uh, hand. And I'm like six miles that way from where Venus and Serena's dad was basically doing the same thing with a tennis racket. If I saw that happening today, and I'm a sports writer in Long Beach, so I, I cover high school youth sports as well, I would see those parents and go, that is abusive and horrible, yep. and I don't like it. And I know as a sports writer that, especially in individual sports, it's sort of the crucible that creates, like there's not really an individual sport world champion that does not yeah. have... That, that has what we would consider to be a healthy journey mm -hmm. mentally and regarding their sport. Michael Jordan, the only place that his brain has a context that succeeds 
is in a professional sport, right? It's not compatible with being a husband or a father or like necessarily a loving member of a community. But I think that is sort of the inherent um, challenge of sports for those of us who do care about Maybe <laughs> those of us who grew up, yeah, those of us who grew up, listen, I, this is wild that you bring that up, Mike, because recently, um, did I say this? I'll say it. I'm, I'm sure she did not listen to this show, or I hope she does, but maybe she doesn't. I was recently <laughs> on a date with someone who maybe is a listener, but perhaps not. Um, <laughs> if she is, you know what I mean? I'm sure uh, she doesn't listen to this show. <laughs> okay. I say that because she was, I, there's a reason we're saying that, that I won't. Yeah, but, yeah, we don't have to do it for sound play with you. Nonetheless, uh, I was explaining a drill like these drills my basketball coach had me do when I was a kid. Um, you know, kind of like these passing drills where you're just in the gym and the lights are out and you have to kind of the red light drills, you gotta pass to the red light, you know. And I was explaining it. I was like, Yeah, I had to do that when I was really small. And I was explaining how it went, and she was like, That sounds really fucked up. She was like, that sounds like the red room in Russia for like training exactly, ballerina. Yeah. Right, yeah. And I was like, oh, that I guess so. You know what I mean? But like you, all of us who grew up playing sports, you know, like I, I grew up, I grew up playing basketball. I grew up playing soccer. I grew up playing soccer at a very intense level. And when I think about um, just like some of the drills that my club soccer coach had me do, if I, if I were to explain those out loud to a person now, they'd be like, that is fucking outrageous but to me those are things that define my you know the shape that i took as an athlete um also you know if the if the person i went on date with is a listener hi how are you doing (laughs) (laughs) if not then you should become a listener <laughs> That's how we get YouTube subscribers like, one yeah. at a time. You know. So, so are y'all saying the mindset it takes to be successful in a sport doesn't give you the space to focus on mental health, or the culture of sports? It doesn't I, give I, you the I, space. I, I think there's a an unspoken understanding that you have to suppress that shit. Like yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, sure, I mean, but... I mean, talking drills. We all ran suicide drills. Like, suicide. do they even still call yeah. them shits that anymore? Like, like, and 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 and, and we the call whole... them gassers, but in gassers our heads, now? we okay. call them yeah. suicides. Yeah, yeah and, and 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 the connotation there was, bro, you need to go out there and you need to give it your all, even if it kills you. Fuck how you personally feel comfortably, you, you know, within right, yourself. Right. You need to go out there and try to fucking die. You know what I'm saying to to, to get this shit done to achieve the goals of it, of of us. So it's always been like an unspoken understanding that you know you got to suppress that shit and go out and and you know you know lay it all out for your team i think me and you were actually watching uh, the heat play uh, in new orleans and i forget, i think it was battier who didn't go chase a ball fast enough and we were in the hotel and i said you need to die for that, yeah, Daddy. That shit. You need to die. You said you need to die for that shit. Fuck, nigga. I need to fuck, nigga. <laughs> for, vividly remember we, that. Because I needed that chip. Bro, I needed that chip. Die for that loose ball, my nigga. But yeah, so, hey, that's that. And I'm somebody that's in therapy and a mental health advocate. And I'm yelling, die for that when watching basketball. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a different. Listen, we all watched. That Kagi D, as as Mike as Mike says, you know what I mean. <laughs> Good old Kagi D. Good old right. Kagi D, boy. We we all watched the Last Dance, you know what I mean. And like there are parts of the Last Dance where we watched Michael Jordan's teammates look in the camera and say, "This motherfucker was out of his mind." And then we watched Michael Jordan look in the camera and, in so many words, express to us, "I was out of my motherfucking mind." 
and we cry and we, tears. Exactly. Like it's and beautiful. We, That's fucking we, beautiful. We watch that like that is beautiful. That is what the high. We watch Michael Jordan say, "I invented a reason in my head to make an enemy out of this guy who complimented me." And we were like, "That's what." LeBron Smith. Is. We talked about him last right, episode. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. So it's like this thing where I think, and I, I'm guilty of this as someone who has been in therapy at this point for all of my adult life. I, I look at sports as a container for this kind of um, psychosis, maybe where competitiveness overwhelms all and it's achieved, you know, Michael Jordan in the last dance talking about like, he didn't understand how someone could not play with the migraine. It's like, motherfucker, you are out of your mind. Right. And we can watch that and say, but, but he's also the greatest competitor who's ever lived. And so there's, we can absolve. That is what real absolution is. Where we can look at a guy like Michael Jordan or someone like Tom Brady or these folks and say, well, in order to get to that level, one has to be, one has to have a brain that is not like any other brain. And the question is at what cost? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like at what actual cost? Because it, it's different. Like I'm just the guy who writes some shit in my house. You know what I mean? Like I am not crying. I can look on, I can look at the last dance and say, I admire that level of competitiveness. I don't want that for myself. For sure. Right. I, I, I want it on want, TV. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I want that on TV because we can treat it like it's a, we can treat it like it's a, and this is not great either, but we can treat it like it's like reality television or we can treat it as the, the, the Kagi D as we say, yeah, <laughs> we yeah, yeah. kind of separate ourselves from it. But like, I don't want that for myself. I don't want any level of competitiveness in my brain um, that would require me to be a kind of performer that Michael Jordan was that level. That level is frightening. And, and and I think that is uh that's just that's the two the two worlds of sport. The where where the where the where the rubber meets the road for me on this, and I'm not uh I don't have an answer for this question, and I'm not asking you guys to come up with an answer, but like um I've I've got a son who plays baseball. He's pretty good. Um he is he has my brain when it comes to competitiveness and wanting to be perfect at things and all this other stuff. So I'm also his coach. We had a game this spring. He goes three for four, two extra base hits. He threw a shutout inning, uh, pitching. Great game. We get back in the car. I'm like, hell yeah. Like, this is great. Like, this is what all the practice is for. Way to go. And he's pissed at himself because he just missed the right contact on the ball on the one at bat where he didn't get a hit. He's pissed at himself, like angry. And so I'm sitting there as his coach, like, this is fucking sick. Like this, kid, <laughs> right? Like this kid wants it. Like this, and, and also as an adult who knows, like anything you want to do in life, you are gonna have to be a little bit crazy about chasing after. If it's not baseball, like good, right? Like whatever it is. But then as his dad, I'm sitting there going, I know what the last thirty years of my life was fighting that desire to be like. I did really good at something. I could go home and rest now, or I could be really angry that it could have been a little bit better. And so as his dad, I'm sitting there like, buddy, you had a great game. Like, let's just go get some ice cream. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And but I, I don't and I don't know how to like, I'm just sort of giving him his space and trying to provide some guidance. But it's like, I don't know what the answer is to that, if, particularly in the context of sports, in the context of he wants to be a college professor. Let's go have some ice cream. Right. You know, like, <laughs> if you want a job that like. A hundred thousand people have cool. If you want a job that a hundred people have, you probably have to be nuts enough to beat out the other ninety nine thousand nine hundred people, right? Like I don't, I just don't know the. I, there, there isn't a correct answer to that question. Um, but I don't know. That's yeah, I, that's I, who I, we're rooting for is people who 
It's people who made that decision early in life, you know, like it just went nuts. I mean, they're all crazy to some extent. Truly. I I just don't know how you can find any type of fine balance, any type of balance when you have to be fanatically obsessed. You know what I mean? I don't know like what a balance on that looks like. I will say that I think LeBron has probably handled it the healthiest of any of the all time greats I've seen. Like, I mean, because, you know, to, 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 to just bullshit down, like, right, the, the biggest knock we had on Kobe for just boiling it down is he didn't trust his teammates enough, right? Mm-hmm. Biggest knock we've got on, on, on Bron if we boil that shit down, he trusts his teammates too much, right? Like, he, LeBron is someone who isn't necessarily burdening himself with all of his aspirations. He's someone who realizes that, you know, this is a team sport. I can't get it done without my guys, right? Like, he, he's not letting that shit, he's not, you know, taking on all the weight on his shoulders, right? And I think that that is a pretty healthy way to, you know, kind of maneuver to that. And even then, Bron is still obsessive, right? Like, probably has the best fucking physical regiment we've ever seen. He, from you know, he goes to sleep at 7 p- Like, I mean, he gets, uh, all his teammates talking, he gets like 10 to 12 hours of sleep a night. As a father yeah. of three, I don't care how rich you are, he gets 10 to 12 hours of sleep every night. He's 10 hours of sleep home. a night? More, how more, do you even more? How do you even? Dwayne Wade has said he'll go to sleep at six o'clock in the in, like when they're when they're trapped. <laughs> seriously, like, he would I, get in bed at six o'clock and not get up till six a.m. till he's working out. Like I feel like you have to take medicine to take 18. that to sleep that much. Like you'd have to take something to. Ma- I, I I physically do not have the ability to sleep that much, regardless of what I did in the day prior. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. But I think that the, the, that he the team aspect is why he's more, you know. He's better in life because like he's built a team around him for the things outside because he understands the importance of having a team. You know what I mean? But when you're mm-hmm. the type of person who's like, it's me, I have to do it. Like a Kobe, like a, like a, a, a Jordan. That's more difficult to step away from and operate differently. Like, you know what I mean? Like with him, with, with Bron, you know, knowing he needs a team on court and approaching the game in that way, even though he's a fanatic, you know, he's a fanatic when he comes to obsessing over the game. You can do that in life and be fine. Yeah. You can't be, you know, I'm that, you know, like I got to drop 50, you know, for Smith, I'm coming for your ass, whatever the <laughs> fuck his name is. You know, that's not going to translate well in your everyday life. So I think that's why Brian's been better off the court is because that translates better, you know, off the court. You know what I'm Bro, saying? D- did you see that clip of Isaiah Thomas, not Zeke, Um, you know, ITT, whatever you want to call him, of him yeah, crying yeah. when he would come into tears when he's talking about his time he spent with Bronny in Cleveland. Did you see that? Oh, clip? oh yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was, it was, you know, what was he, um, what did he speak to? What do you speak to? In the he, clip? he was just saying, he was saying, bro, like, he was like, you know, I never saw someone so dedicated to basketball. He was like, when we had, you know, um, practices, he was there two hours later. When we had to go to the gym, he was there an hour late, an, an hour earlier and left an hour after everybody did. Like, and he was like, you know, I, and, and, and we all know that shit did not go well for ITM Brown as, as a basketball right, player. Right, right, and ITM right. admitted that. He was like, shit ain't work out for us on the court. He was like, but just, you know, I'm a better man for having experienced this man's dedication. He was like, you know, we still homies to this day. So, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll drop that in the, in the group chat. It's, it's a really moving clip. Damn. I yeah. mean, Brian, I see, right, the way he talks about it, Brian approaches a game like it's a nine to five. You know, you know what I'm saying? Where, like, he's putting in, he comes in and does all the other things that need to be done off court before the game starts like getting the work done and all that. Not every athlete approaches it that way. But mm-hmm. I think like to be successful, like how like what Mike Mike was talking about like his his son like you know like Vinny tripping, you know, damn, I've, to be successful you almost got to find what you can do better at in in, in sport in any sports. It's like if it doesn't as long and and I think being mad after the game that's cool. But if by the time he's getting ice cream, he's okay, I think that's healthy. You know what I mean? Cuz unless you win the fucking genetic lottery, 
You know what I mean? You're not, you have to be obsessive to play a professional sport. You know, if that's what you want to do with your life. You know what I mean? And even if you win the genetic lottery, if you're going to be great at it, you have to this win the genetic point, lottery and be obsessive, at, right? At, at this, this point. point. Now, you Antonio know what I'm saying? Antonio Pierce used to tell the story about LeVar Arrington that when they were, when they played football together in Washington, they would be in film, film meetings and it was a running joke that the coach at the end of the session would go, and what's LeVar's job? And LeVar would say, go get the quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Those athletes don't really, like, you don't really right, get to do right. that, even if you are, right. at, you won the lottery or whatever, right? Like, everyone right, at right. this point has to be obsessive. All right. We are, uh, we actually had an Ephon not to talk about mental health and balance in sports, but to talk about his Minnesota Timberwolves are having, it's it, was, great. it was a great conversation. It was a needed conversation. That was great. Yeah. Um, the Minnesota Timberwolves are at the time of recording 18 and 5, 0.783 win percentage, a four game lead in the win column over the defending champion Denver Nuggets. The last time Hanif was on, you talked about not needing as an individual the normal cyclical sports thing of optimism and hope and then into disappointment, that you were comfortable just being a fan of a team that. You were not expecting to necessarily go out and win a championship. And it does yeah. feel to me, I've been thinking of you this whole season, like it feels like this has been designed for you almost as a test. Like, <laughs> how optimistic are you? How excited are you? How are you enjoying it? How is this season different from your previous fandom? So, honestly, I'd be lying to myself about some of this shit. Uh, <laughs> I respect I mean, that, bro. Because they've been bad. You know, like when you root for a team that's been bad for so long, there's almost no point to be like, I need a championship. It's like, I just need to see a, a playoff series win. <laughs> I mean, just like win more than one game in the playoffs. But also, you say that stuff. A funny thing happened this past weekend. So I'm a big fan. Columbus has a soccer team, Columbus crew. They just won the MLS championship, right? And that was one of those things where not a lot of people expected that to happen. And before the game on Saturday, I was going to the game and I was telling people like, oh, you know, no matter no matter if they win or not, I'm just so happy they got to this point. I'm just so happy I get to watch them play in a championship. I feel so great. And then when they won, I was like, listen, that shit was a lie. I'm definitely much. <laughs> I am much happier right now. So I'd be like, I'm happier now. And so I'm trying to get myself into I'm trying to walk both these lines where for a lot of Timberwolves fans, I know this still actually doesn't really feel real. You know what I mean? I think it's starting to feel a bit realer, but you know, after the first 15 games, I was like, this doesn't feel like it's actually happening. They've already won more games right now than they have won in total, like four seasons that I've been a fan of theirs. You know what I mean? Like in 2009, they won like 16 games total. Sheesh. And it's y'all so been it's through wild. hell, bro. Been Good for hell. you, like, I guess. You know what I mean? That's like, crazy. I, I would have been like, quit. <laughs> I had to watch. So I had to watch like Alexi Shved. You know what I mean? Like I had to watch Luke Ridenour playing point guard. You know, it's like took Johnny see, Flynn over Steph. Like, yeah, yeah. Johnny, yeah. Johnny was. I Johnny love Flynn Johnny was, at Syracuse though. But yeah, but Johnny Flynn. Johnny Flynn was a hooper. I think. Yeah, Luke Ridenour you know, was good too, but not. Not, yeah, not a Luke Ridenour led team is rough. That's a rough watch. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's. And it's funny. So I was at the first game of season. I went up to Toronto to see them play in Toronto, and they lost. And they lost in a way that was like. Oh no, you know, same old Timberwolves. You know what I mean? They lost like Pat played awfully, Ant shot too much and shot poorly. And as I was leaving the arena, I mean, there's not a lot of, uh, I feel like it's the state of Timberwolves fandom is, is down bad if I'm one of the most visible Timberwolves fans. <laughs> but I was leaving the <laughs> arena and a Toronto fan recognized me 
and started like, you know, and they started like yelling, not mean yelling, but like shit talking in the kind of play. It's like, oh, it's not y'all's year. Ha, ha, you know, that type of shit. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, and I was I was walking back to my hotel like, yeah, that, that nigga might be right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, if you, I hope that person's a listener. That's what yeah. I was about to say. <laughs> you got a better chance. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, listen, I'm not much. Of, I'm not much of a trash talk with strangers, folks. But when Toronto empties out the cupboard and that <laughs> motherfucker's rooting for Malachi Flynn. And I in the Timberwolves are number one in the West. I hope I pray I see that person again. So like there's there's an element too where early in the season I was like, no, they had that loss to the Hawks that was really rough. Um, where they blew like a 25 point lead. So there was a lot of kind of same old Timberwolves stuff for me. And Cat started poorly. Cat started the season really bad. Like the first five games. Then he then he got hot though. Then he, he turned it all the way up. Yeah, yeah. And I, so I don't really know. Now I'm kind of in this euphoric haze where I'm watching this team that does not feel like any other Timberwolves team I've seen in my life, where the defense seems for real. I think, um, you know, all the talk is about Anthony Edwards, which I understand. The Cat's also doing things that people have been asking him to do for his whole career. Mm-hmm. You know, he's defending, uh, he's defending both on the perimeter and in the post, and he's not getting in a, a ton of foul trouble. He did foul out the other night, but not getting a ton of foul trouble. He is creating his shots off the dribble and getting in the lane and using that floater that he, he, he has really well. Uh, he's not relying on just throwing up threes from all over the place. He's passing out of double teams. He's kind of doing these things that people have been, myself included, as, as a fan of his, have been frustrated with his inability to do in his early career. Rudy is back playing like defensive like- player of the year level defense. And there are holes. There are some concerns. I'm a little bit worried about the point guard position because Mike Conley, you know, I love him and I love watching him play. There's no way he's playing all 82 so games. right there, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but he's he Conley's been hooping though, man. Like been hooping. I think yeah, I think he's got like 139 assists and only like 22 turnovers or some shit like that. He's he's been going crazy. Um but but where are you at with with Rudy, right? Because it looked like for a minute like no exaggeration, that might have been one of the worst trades ever last season and now that shit's coming together, bro. And he's looking like, you know, the Rudy who might get his fifth defensive player of the year. I I still wish I don't know how it, that's this is a big conflict for me because I, I would like a couple of those picks back. Like for real. I, I think mm-hmm. that that is going to mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm talking about living in the moment and loving the moment right now, that's really hard this year because this team is not going to be this team in two years. They can't afford everybody and they have no picks. And so I really have to savor this year and Rudy, especially this year, because in two years from now, I don't really know what this team's future looks like because you will have probably Ant and probably Jaden McDaniels. And I don't know who else is there. You know, uh, Rudy feels like he will either Rudy or Cat or both will not be. And so I don't think it's uh, the trade is bearing itself out, especially because I think some of those Utah players, particularly Walker Kessler has seemed to kind of hit a wall. Uh, I, I still think Walker Kessler is a good player, but I think what he showed last year and how he's played this year, I think he's maybe taken a step back. Um, and so I feel a little bit better about that. And uh, but I, I would love at least one of those picks back. I, I, they, they, there's no no matter how good I feel about the season, there's no ignoring the fact they gave up too much. They just gave up too much for him, especially yeah, that- when you look at the market for what other players have gotten since that trade. They gave up too much. And I think how it has benefited the team uh, is is that it's forced everyone to play differently. and so. Pat becomes a more versatile player because he has to play next to Rudy. Anthony Edwards becomes a better passer because he has to play alongside Rudy and figure out how to pass out of these double teams. 
um, Jaden McDaniels becomes an even better defender on the wing because he trusts Rudy behind him. You know what I mean? So there's there's some benefits that will play long term dividends. But I just when I think about this team in two years, I worry. Yeah, yeah, Rudy, Rudy's for sure making good on his end. But I mean, from the very jump, I think a lot of people didn't like the trade because it felt like the trade felt like okay, this is the only, this is the last piece we need to be a champion. And no, no, absolutely not. Y'all need, y'all need a little bit more, right? Like, like that was what that trade looked like. And, and, and it, you know, they're a young team on the rise who are not just Rudy, you know, Rudy Gobert away from being a champion. They need some more pieces. So I definitely, um, you know, um, understand your concern there because I feel the same. I think when it comes to pieces, I think also they needed a person, a different personality to lead that team. Like yeah. Edwards as the man is better than Cat as the man on that team. You know what I mean? I feel like Cat doesn't have the personality that people would want to like get behind or just follow to. You know what I mean? Everybody loves Ant. You know, interviewing Cat, I'm talking about Ant. He talked about Ant like he's the fucking man. You feel what I'm yeah. saying? And so I think that helped a lot. Ant taking that step and it being Ant's team. And I, I think that that adds to the energy. And I mean, I'm not, that's not taking anything away from Cat. Cat's fucking incredible. He's still. 50, 40, 90. He said, you know, I had a really good year other than the first, you know, uh, that, that start. But yeah, I think that also helped uh, having, having a person that is fit to lead a squad that people want to follow, you know? For sure. I, well, For sure. I, I also think like they're in a unique situation with that trade because most teams aren't in a position where their existing players will give them another piece, right? But like Ant's development is going mm-hmm. to effectively add a better player each year right for the for the next few years so i think that like that has to be part of the calculus but i yeah i i I was thinking about you i've been thinking about you after that trade because i had a friend who's like they massively overpaid all this other stuff and i thought about one of the stats you said the last time you're on i was like they haven't won man like so if they overpay and they win two playoff series and then they suck again. Well, they had a year where they got to enjoy winning two playoff series, right? Like yep. Lakers fans Celtic, like you take that stuff for granted, but if you're rooting for a team that like you said, you you followed them closely in a year in which they won like imagine being a Pistons fan right now, right? Like there are people watching every minute of those games though. There are not a lot of them, I but know. there are some people doing that. So like Listen, if you get uh, the experience of winning some in <laughs> April, then great, right? You know, like that has to be worth something, even though it's not how we account for success in the way that we talk about the NBA. One of my one of my dear friends, the the, the brilliant poet Matt, Matthew Olsman, is a Pistons fan. Like that are a Pistons fan, one of those people who watches every minute of every game. And in the to, we're in a group chat together, and I feel like the you the euphoric high that I'm on is really just <laughs> counterbalanced by the fact that every night he knows the motherfuckers are getting their asses beat. And and there's kind of like no, I look at the Pistons schedule because at this point I'm like, I, I just want to see him. I just need to see the Pistons win a game. It has to happen. And I look at their schedule and I'm like, I just don't see a win there. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't see a, right. And if they go, if they go two months without winning a game, I just don't know how somebody's got to get fired from somewhere. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's Monty. I don't know if someone has to lose a job. Right. Like it just can't. You can't not win a game for two months. I mean, you would th- you would think t- Tyler and John said that they they should let the fans rush the court after their first their first win. <laughs> Stand on it. <laughs> I love Hard that idea. idea. Great idea, Seriously. Tyler. Great idea. Great idea. <laughs> Rodney, if you if you if you lose too much straight. I think you should like get let suspend the team indefinitely, not from a place that you did something wrong, but just take some time for yourself. So rehabilitative justice. Mental here, health break, again, bro. Right? You feel what I'm saying? Like, dog. 
it's it's rough out here. We see you struggling. We gonna give y'all a couple a, a, a week off or something. I think, I, hey man, that's that two months straight is crazy, bro. Yeah, crazy. They, they're probably they got what well, they got the Sixers again tonight, which probably is gonna be a loss. Cooked. They got the, they could maybe. I, I think they got the Jazz coming up. They could maybe sneak a win in there. But either way, it's like, you know, as someone again, the thing about the Timberwolves, I watched them through a lot of years where they just had aimless rosters. Where I would look at the roster and say. This is just a bunch of guys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I look at the Pistons right now and it's like, well, there's talent there, but it's just a bunch of guys. Yeah. You know, Jalen Barron, you know, I like I like him and I like yeah. um Kate like is taking a leap, but it's yeah. for nothing. You know what but I mean? It's for nothing. Or not. I like Jay Nivey, maybe, you know, but it's just like these are just some guys who can't really they're not really there's not cohesive. I, I kind of don't like Isaiah Stewart as much as other other people. So and there's a way that you can make some guys where, I mean, the Orlando Magic are just a bunch of guys and it, it's working. And I think the Pistons are kind of what the Timberwolves have been for much of my life, where I think where the Timberwolves are different now is that they found an identity. People actually thought they found an identity in the year of Pat Bev. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of halfway found that identity, but it wasn't real. It was just fleeting, mm-hmm. performative. And I think Pat Bev is fine. But I was it was, it was like, Pat Bev. It was Pat but he's yeah, kind of performative himself, right? Yeah, yeah. It was just it was like this Pat Bev thing, and it was just like him projecting his whole thing onto the team. This year, like, there's an actual identity around the Timberwolves that is, mm-hmm. um, and I think a lot of it too. Chris Finch deserves some some flowers. Although, you know, a funny thing about Chris Finch to me is that he's one of those people who always looks like his face always looks like. He just got word that his wife is divorcing him. Like no matter, <laughs> even when he's happy, he, there was like a graphic. There's a sadness to his eyes. He has yeah, resting he tragedy face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was like a graphic that Timberwolves put up when he won Coach of the Month or whatever, and he was smiling in the graphic. But even when he was smiling, it looked like he had just heard some really sad news. <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't know what is going on in his life, uh, but he's he's a hell of a coach, though. You know, <laughs> I'm glad you know. I, Hopefully he's actually not getting divorced. I made that joke like twice, and I hope he's not actually like in the throes of his marriage falling apart. But uh, if he is, a he's pouring himself into the game in a beautiful way. <laughs> so, so how, you know, how- you you mentioned that this team has an identity, and we talked about the O three O four Timberwolves. And I remember, like, you know, we all knew that they were not going to be a championship team, but they were fun. They, they had some guys on there who were like fan favorites, like Cassell with the with the big nuts celebration. You had you know Spree with the <laughs> with, with with the twisted up braids, looking like the fucking flying dog from Never in the Story and shit. Even fucking Fred Hoiberg coming off the bench lighting shit up, right? Love Fred so Hoiberg. like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, so, 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 like, do you have a fan favorite? You know, one of someone who's like not the not a guy like not Ant or Cat or or Rudy. Like, do you have a fan favorite on there right now? I like Troy Brown Jr. and I like Troy Brown Jr. because, um, I like that this is kind of a redemption arc for him. I like a redemption arc in the NBA. Last night the Timberwolves played the the Mavs, and I got to see Dante Exum, who's who's been playing well, and that that's cool. Like, it's cool to see a guy like Dante Exum who was out of the league. And it's come back in. And Troy Brown kind of, he bounced around a lot. He was a high pick, mm-hmm. bounced around a lot, didn't work on a couple teams. And he's really playing well in Minnesota. Um, yeah. Same for Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I love Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Um, the Timberwolves have always had these guys, even when they've been bad, even in the lean years, they've had guys that I've latched onto and really enjoyed watching. And in terms of, you know, I don't know if this is a championship team. It's, you never really know. I don't think you really know that until the playoffs. How do you, you know, feel, the, though? How do you feel, though? Uh, I, I don't. I don't want to see the Nuggets in the playoffs. So I, I, 
I would like to, I think this is a team that can get to the Western Conference Finals. I really do. I think that they will run into some problems in the playoffs as they have in the past, because in the playoffs, they'll run up against teams that'll just switch everything. And I think, you know, Cat Cat struggles in in those scenarios. He was better. I think the narrative about Cat not being good in the playoffs is maybe a little unfair. He was very good in that Memphis series. Mm -hmm. Uh, The team collapsed in that Memphis series. The Cat was actually pretty good. He was very bad against Denver and against the Rockets back in the Jimmy year was his first time out and he wasn't great. But I think a struggle with him is that um, teams just switch everything on him. And uh, he sometimes just can't, he can't find his offense there. So I worry a little bit about the playoffs. I worry about them in the West is really jagged this year. There's a lot of shit you got to go through. You got to go through Oklahoma city and that Oklahoma city team is like not the Oklahoma city team of last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> My hope, I think the Wolves can make the Western Conference Finals if shit shakes out where they can avoid Denver until the Western Conference Finals. I still think, I know they, they their regular season so far has been a little shaky. I still think Denver is better than everybody in seven games. Mm-hmm. I just don't see anyone in the West, at least, who can beat Denver in seven games. Um, it just, you know, if they're healthy, if Jamal Murray is Jamal Murray. Um, but I, I do think I see them winning the playoff series. Uh, the Timberwolves at least winning one. I see them definitely able to do that. I think they could win two if shit shakes out the right way. Like I, I think there's a big gap between these first four teams, maybe five teams, and everybody else below them. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Hanif, thank you so much for taking the time to hop on with us. Uh, everyone, pre-order. There's always this year on Basketball and Ascension, his next book coming out in March. We're for sure going to have him back to talk about that. Uh, I yeah, I'm excited to come back, yeah. by the way. I and I got to make sure y'all get a copy. Hope my publicist, my publicist was like, they got me like embargo. They're like, you can't talk. You can't talk to anybody until the book comes out. So with my publicist, who actually is a listener to this show. Uh, <laughs> what up, publicist? Gotta hear this. The publicist. What up? They're going to hear this shit and be like, I told that motherfucker. But, <laughs> but the Timberwolves, I was like, yo, the Timberwolves might not be good in March. <laughs> right? I've seen the moment, man. I gotta, the Timberwolves might not be that. They might not be good enough in March to talk about. So I appreciate Hopefully, I'll have There might around, not man. be next year for the Timberwolves. There might not know? be next year for these motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. And so... I, I have to make sure I'll get a copy of the book. I, I you know, I've been, I've been Thank thinking you. about y'all and, and other folks who have been kind enough to talk ball with me. Cause I feel like early on in my writing career, I never got to talk about ball because everyone was kind of just like, Oh, you're the music guy. But realistically, you know, I spend as much time thinking about ball as I do anything else. So I really appreciate mm. y'all for always allowing me to kind of come on here and chop it up a bit. You, you actually, hours, you actually gave us uh, some advice, I think on accident the first time we had you on and we talked about music and we talked about publishing and your career and stuff. And at the end of it, you were like, I really want to just talk about basketball and sneakers. Like, right, right. <laughs> I thought we was going bullshit. Right. You know and, what and I mean? so, so for the three of us, we were like, so just because someone comes on, who's like been, you know, won national book awards and stuff like we should probably should just like, let them come hang out with their friends. Like that's what people <laughs> right. want to do on the show. You know? <laughs> Also, you're the you're like one of three people that I tell my wife we were talking to, and she's like, "Yay!" <laughs> like she actually said, "Yay!" That's what she said. Like she's twelve when I told her we were interviewing you. So, yeah, that's great. You're welcome anytime, man. Thanks for anytime, taking the time, man. and hopefully the the Timberwolves. Uh, hopefully it's not just an interview about your book. Hopefully in February, it's still March, good. You know, hopefully the Timberwolves are still worth talking about for sure. For sure, no doubt. Appreciate y'all as always. We'll talk soon. Yes, sir. The volume.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.